The book of Genesis tells us that man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God. But later in the same book we read that Adam and Eve wish to be like God in some other way, gaining knowledge of good and evil. And this temptation to know what God knows led them to stretch out their hands to the forbidden fruit. The unhappy consequences of this action illustrate something that all of us know, that knowledge is often acquired by painful experience. All of us are going through a very painful experience. We are relearning something that we easily forget, that there are real limitations to our knowledge. This is easy to forget because as our knowledge of the natural world has grown, we have been able to break through many barriers thought to be impassable. Fifty years ago, many predicted that by 2020, we would not be able to feed everyone in the world at the rate of growth that the population was experiencing. And yet, discoveries of high-yield technologies, better quality fertilizers, and other techniques allow us today, in this year, 2020, to feed almost 8 billion people more effectively than we fed 3 billion people in 1960. With the click of a mouse, I can copy the entire electronic version of St. Augustine's City of God, where it once took a scribe years to do the same work at great cost, especially to his eyesight. These advances in knowledge are surely good. There are two dangers that accompany this increase. The first, I think, we all can identify right away. The human heart, being what it is, any knowledge that can be used for good can almost certainly be used for destructive purposes. If we so wish, we can inflict more harm more efficiently than ever before. But as I say, we already know this. There's a second danger, though, that is more elusive. With increased knowledge comes a sense of increased responsibility. Not necessarily actual responsibility, just an increased sense of it. So as we struggle to face the threat of COVID-19 together, it's tempting to point fingers. Somebody should have known that this was coming. They should have known how to stop it. And this isn't the only example I could have used. Others are ready to hand. We can point to all kinds of anxieties that come with increased knowledge. A hundred years ago, expectant mothers paid quite a lot less attention to their diet, to alcohol consumption, and other behaviors that potentially affect prenatal development. Today, mothers are sometimes reluctant to trust their own instincts, to trust their own experiences in child-rearing, when there is so much literature on child development to sort through. 
would be terrible to hurt my child in some way by not knowing all the things that there are to be known. Even the doctors who are dealing with the virus face a similar challenge. What to do with all the knowledge that's coming in so quickly? How responsible is a doctor to stay on top of the fast-developing literature at the same time as taking care of patients who are in urgent need of care? It's a conundrum, and all the knowledge we have makes us feel guilty because we can't put it to use for good as fast as we'd like to, and things still catch us by surprise. And in the direction of this kind of thinking, which is really a kind of second-guessing, we start down that old path of wanting to have foreknowledge, wanting to know things that only God knows, wanting to be like God in a way of our own desiring. However well-intentioned, however much we want to protect ourselves and those whom we love, to protect our way of life. This attempt to control the world will eventually bring us to grief, a return to thorns and thistles. Today upon the cross, we gaze at a different way of being. We see here a man again, but this is a man who is not merely the image and likeness of God, He is God. And what a contrast. This is what God really looks like. God who gives himself. God who allows himself to suffer. The contrast between Christ and Adam is one that really exercised the mind and heart of St. Paul. In the chant that we sang just before the Passion, Christus factus est pro nobis, we see that Christ undoes the disobedience of Adam by his own obedience. Christ became obedient even to death on the cross. He did not believe that equality with God was something to be grasped as Adam grasped the forbidden fruit. Instead, he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Here is what God looks like. This is what his likeness is that we can regain. And if we are to have the mind of Christ, we will become more godlike than we do with our own efforts to control the world through knowledge. And in fact, we are being invited to this today to imitate Christ's self-emptying. We're being invited to empty ourselves as we experience our helplessness, as we experience the limitations of being human. And if we can manage to accept this invitation in faith, then we too will be practicing the faith of Jesus Christ the faith that brings true salvation. True salvation. It is offered to us anew in this Paschal Triduum, wherever we are, if we're in church, if we're at home. It is extended to all the faithful, all who make this act of faith, to trust in God the Father, 
This is extended to all humankind. The offer of baptism in faith, the example of conformity to Christ's passion and death so as to be conformed to his resurrection. Let us strive to unite our minds and hearts again to Christ, to become truly like God, like the Son of God, in our willingness to entrust ourselves to the Father. Let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive his mercy.